Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Amen. Uh, let's pray. Savior, we uh, are grateful for the work that you have done on the cross. That when you said it is finished, it was finished. That the salvation that we needed was paid for at that moment. And as we come before you this morning and we read about this in your word, we read a very familiar passage to many of us. It's our prayer that you will give us fresh eyes to see these words that many of us know by heart and to hear them in new ways so that we may grow from them. We pray this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And children's church. Uh, children, the choir has already left, or they should have already left, but if you haven't left for children's church, do so now. <laughs> These, this passage that we're reading this morning, as I mentioned, is one that, that many of us probably know by heart. Um, I know, for me, it was a passage that I learned at a very young age. It's, um, I think most of our kids that just left for children's church probably could tell it to you as well. Um, Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Let's just read that this morning, and then we'll talk. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, when it comes down to it, these three verses are probably the most concise explanation of the gospel message in Scripture. If you need to hear what the gospel is about and you only have ten seconds, these would be the verses that you would want to hear. This sums up so much of what we believe as a church and what not just we, our church, believes, but what is central to the Christian faith is in these three verses. And so as we, as we come this morning, as I mentioned, these are verses that are very familiar to, uh, to many of us because that's true. Because these, these verses summarize so well what many of us have come to believe about the work of God we, we've, we've heard these and we, we've known these and we've internalized these. And so what I want to ask you to do is, as we come to, to this passage this morning is to, to do your best to hear these words with fresh ears and to, to encounter them again as though you've never heard them before. For it is by grace you have been saved. Now, one of the things that as we go through this you notice i might have a different translation than what you memorized and that's one of the problems with the bible memorization when we all say it together if we don't use the same translation it's a little tricky but uh this i this is a translation i i like it's the niv 
and um, and we're gonna we're gonna work out of that. For it is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved. And the central truth, and we, we, we talked about this last week, Pastor Jim brought this to us, that what is this salvation that, that he's talking about? There, there can, we kind of run into a bunch of, if we're not careful, a bunch of code words that we, that we just sort of assume everybody knows what that means. But we don't necessarily take time to think about, okay, what, saved from what? Well, Paul tells us, he's told us in the beginning of chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 1, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And this is where Paul begins chapter 2. We were dead in our sins. And the idea here is that we are, are separated from God in our sins. That we have no life in and of ourselves. That while we seem to be walking around and talking, and that, that spiritually we are cut off from God. And because of that we have no life. We are dead in our transgressions and sins. But, verse 4, But God, because of his great love for us, he was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And this is what Paul comes back to now in verse 8. The salvation that we have is, is life, and that God is in the business of giving new life. This is what the gospel message is about. That God is working to redeem and bring life to his creation. In Genesis chapter 3, let's just turn there actually. This is where the story um, begins. Genesis chapter 1, the story begins in Genesis chapter 3. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And in this story, we are given the effects of sin into the world. The man and the woman choose 
to disobey the plan that God has set out for them. And as such, they are cut off from the life that God has for them. As the story goes on, they are are removed from the garden. They are no longer able to eat from the tree of life. And they are separated from the fellowship of God that they had with God before this. And so in the story, God comes looking for them and they're hiding from God. And God comes searching for them. Where are you? Where are you? And this, Paul, this is what Paul is working off of when he writes Ephesians 2. He says, this is the situation that all of us were in. Hiding from God. Separated from God. Distant from Him. Unable to do anything of ourselves. But God, rich in mercy, came and saved us. For it is by grace that we are saved. It is by the goodness, it is by God's choice. In the story, God comes looking for the man and the woman. Where are you? Where are you? This is grace. God coming to look for us. This is not something, and this is, again, I understand that some of you may have heard this before. But this is, this is central to what we need to understand. And maybe this is new for you. That there is nothing that we do to earn God's favor. There's nothing that we do to earn this salvation. And this is, this is Paul's clear point in this passage that we're looking at. It's not about anything that we have to do to get so far this way. And then God says, okay, now, now I'll, my grace will take care of the rest. That we have, to, we have to become a member of a church or we have to get baptized or that we have to give a certain amount of money or that we have, to, we, we have certain sins in our lives. And we, we know that God's not pleased with what we're doing and so we need, to, we need to cut these things out of our lives before then we can come to God and he will accept us. The whole point of grace is that where we are right now, God accepts us. Where we are immediately in this moment, God says, you, I have died for. My grace is for you. And this, this is something that, that we hold to, we, we hold fast to, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we were sort of sinners, but we were kind of working on it a little bit and we're, we're sort of trying to get our lives together and then Christ died for us. But that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You being dead in your transgressions and sins. God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. And this is, this is central. This, is, this is, has to be our starting point. God's grace for us where we are right now. Verse 9 continues. Well, let's, let's carry on in verse, verse 8 here. Grace, saved by grace, uh, for it is by grace you have been saved. And this grace comes through our faith. It comes through a simple trust in saying that, yes, this is true. Just saying, yes, okay. I, I have a... Um, uh, one of my professors, I'm working on my master's degree, and one of my professors likes to tell uh, that his, his coming to faith was simply this. Fine. That, that was his acceptance. 
And, and this is all it takes is saying yes. Saying, okay, I, I, I'll, I guess I'll trust it. Like, it doesn't make sense to me, but, but fine. This is what it, this is what grace is about. Coming to faith and saying, okay, yes. I, it doesn't make sense, but I'm gonna trust it anyways. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is God's gift to us. This is not by works, so that no one can boast. Paul says, This is those of you that have faith, and Paul is writing to Paul is writing to people who have faith. He's writing to, to believers. He says, Those of you that have faith, uh, this doesn't make you better than those who don't have faith. Turn, turn back a few books to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, I love this passage of 1 Corinthians because Paul just straight out insults the Corinthians here. Um, and, it, and it made it in the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Brothers and sisters, let's include the ladies here too. Uh, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world to, and the despised things. And the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let those who boast, boast in the Lord. I love this passage. Paul just says to the Corinthians, uh, you know that you guys weren't very smart. You guys know that like, you're, not, you're not very rich, you're not very special. Like, I thought about titling this sermon, You're Not So Special. Um, because this is, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't think that there's anything significant about you that, that helped you to somehow earn God's grace. I mean, this goes back to, to verse 8. Don't, don't come to a place where now that you've received salvation and that you've come to faith, that now you think that you're so much better than, than these people who, who don't have it. This is a gift of God. It's not by works. It's not by anything that you've done. It's not by anything great or special about you. It's simply God who has done the work. And it's you saying, fine, I accept it. And there's nothing... And, and I think intellectually, we can, we can read that verse and we can say, yes, I, I believe that. But the reality is, I know in my own life that that if you were to look at some of the things that I say or you look at some of the ways that I act, I kind of feel like I'm better than other people. I kind of feel like I maybe have something that, that there's something about me that's, that's better than those people out there. And I think this is probably true for a lot of us in, in, in the ways that we use, even when we say those people, 
whatever the, whoever those people are. Um, whether it's people who have a different religion, people who who live certain ways, who who um, choose certain things, like we make them other than ourselves because we're there's something better about us, and we have a sense of superiority because of something within us. And the whole point of grace is that there's nothing better about any of us. The whole point of grace is that it's only God's work that has enabled us to be who we are. And, and so Paul says, it's not, understand this. I mean, I've already told you it's by grace, but, but in case you miss that it's, that it's by grace and you know it's by grace, remember, it's by grace. It's not of works. It's not of anything you've done. It's not anything great about you that you should boast about it, that you should be prideful about it, that you should, that you should feel special about yourselves because of, because of how great you are. No, it's about how great God is. And Paul reminds the Corinthians, he says, let's be clear about this. You weren't, you're not so special. And he, and he tells the Ephesians the same thing. Uh, it's not by works so that no one can boast. No one should boast. But then uh, he continues on. And this is all really one sentence. You're, most of our translations sort of break this up so it's easier to read, but sort of a, a run-on. Uh, for, so in light of this, because, so that we are God's handiwork. Your translation might say workmanship. And here's where, here's where what I just said shifts. Because what, what God, what Paul is saying here through, uh, is we are God's craftsmanship. We are God's work of art. What, what Paul is telling us here is that God has been working to create in us a new life. And this isn't something that's just mass-produced. Hey, everybody that wants it gets it. And, but that it's, that it's care, and he's been working in each one of us individually to shape us into the person that we are becoming, that he wants for us to be. Um, I have here, I, I have this little sweater. Isn't that cute? Um, my mom made this for, for Sam. Um, I was going to bring a pair of gloves that my wife made for me and then I set them out and I couldn't find them and so she was gracious enough to run home and get something else for me but um, uh, this is is a sweater that my mom made uh, before Sam was born and uh, it's special, right? This, This is more special than a sweater that you know, I would just go to the store and buy a sweater for Sam. And he might look cute in it. And it might be, you know, more, you might be able to throw it in the wash and it might be more durable and everything. But but the meaning, the significance of this is in, like, the careful craftsmanship of, of what's been done and the love that's poured into it. Um, the detail, the little, little dog buttons, like, it's, it's pretty cute. He's pretty cute in it, I'll set that there. Um, 
But this is, this is, this is the word that Paul is using here when he's talking about us. We are God's workmanship. His handiwork, his craftsmanship, his work of art. That in us, God is investing and pouring his energies into giving us this new life. Into shaping us and bringing us into this new life. So that we can say, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that we are a new creation. That we have been made new. We are God's workmanship. And this, this verse here is, is really filled with creation languages, language. We went back to Genesis 3 already. Uh, this, Paul, Paul is retelling the creation story as a new creation. We are part of God's new creation. He says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So, again, creation language. Created. That's a pretty clear creation language, yes? Uh, we are created in Christ Jesus. Why? Why have we been created in Christ Jesus? That one's not rhetorical. That means you answer. To do good works. This, this is what God is doing in us. That God is in the business of bringing new life into the world. And that in creating us and recreating us as, as his new creation, he is doing that so that we then can participate in this new creation and do the work of bringing about the new creation as well, joining with him in his work. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Uh, I encourage you, we're not gonna, we don't have time to look at this today, but I encourage you just to, to if you want to see how this plays out, uh, read the letter of Titus this week. Um, it's just three chapters. You can probably read it in 10, 15 minutes. But just read it and, and pay attention to all the times that Paul talks about doing good and doing good works. And just... I encourage you to take the time to read through that letter and see what Paul is saying about how God has worked in us in order for us to then do good in the world. Um, but as we, as we talk about this, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because Paul really fleshes these ideas out in, the, in chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, 5, and 6 of, of his letter. And we're going to get through, to that eventually. But... Uh, how do we define good is a question that we need to ask. Because the reality is there are a lot of different ways. We have a lot of different ideas of what is good and what's not good. Um, our world has a lot of ideas of what is, is good and not good. And we, could, we could probably take a poll here and, and write down, What's, what, how would you define good? And, and even within this room, I'm sure we would get all kinds of different answers. So the question is, where do we go to find our definition of what is good? That one's not rhetorical either. Scripture. That's, that's what we're doing here, right? Um, and so, where, where, Paul's using creation language, right? Uh, do you know of any place in the creation story 
where the word good is used. Yes, okay. Um, God creates and he looks at it and he says, it is good. And, and he, as he's creating, he's ordering things, he's, he's developing things. He's saying, this, 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 this is good. And so what are the things within the creation story that are good? It's the, it's the ordering. If, if, you look, if you look through the story, it's God taking the chaos and, and bringing order to it. Putting things in their rightful place. It's giving life where there is no life. And so what I, what I want us to think about, I mean, there are all sorts of specifics. And, and we can all get into uh, what, how that looks like in our own lives. But I want us to think in a, in a broad picture of what it is that we're called and created to do as good. And it's these things. It's, it's what gives life. What is, what is life-giving to our world? Uh, what, what brings order out of chaos? These are the things. The, the, the Hebrew word for this is, is shalom. Peace. Um, and when we think of peace, we think oftentimes just absence of conflict. But this is, this is more than that. This is, this is things, everything, the way that God intended it to be. Arranging life and arranging things. And it's not, it's not complete. I mean, even the garden, right? It's not complete. There are things growing and Adam and Eve are, are supposed to be working the ground and, and doing things in the garden. There's stuff to be done. But it's, it's bringing order and it's bringing life and it's cultivating goodness out of these things. And this is what we are created in Christ Jesus to do to participate. And I think this looks differently for each of us. The, the good thing that is placed in our path, the thing that brings order, the thing that brings life in our path. I think, I mean, for me, as I, as I was reflecting over this, this last week, probably the, if, if I were to say what's, what's the good that I'm called to do is, is to love my wife and son well. This is, this is life-giving this is ordered. This is, this is the way things are supposed to be. And I think as we look at our own lives, if, if, you, were to, if you were to just sit down this week, and I maybe encourage you to do this, what, what is one, two, three things, what is the good that God has called you to be and that he's created you to do? I'm sure a lot of it would have to do with your family. But what about in your workplaces? What about in your neighborhoods? What is the good that God is calling you to? But the reality is, this verse ends with this, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And the reality is that this is not just us doing good works for God. Because if if it turned into that, it would just sort of be like, sort of a reverse of what we were just talking about. Like, yeah, we're saved by grace, but really, God, now you're kind of happy with me, right? Because this is what I'm doing what you're supposed to do. But these good works that God has created for us to do, he is prepared. This is the same word that we have um, in, in chapter 1, verse 4. Verses 4 and 5. For he chose us in him 
before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. And this is, we talked about this weeks ago, that, that God, before the foundation of the world, had, had chosen us to be a part of this new creation that he's, that he's working not because, again, not because of anything special about us, but he chose us. And he chose us now to participate in the ways that he's bringing this new creation to, to fruition. And, and allows us to join with him as, as co-creators. As people who join in what God is doing. And so this isn't us doing a good work for God. But it's the us joining and God doing a good work through and in us. And that's a big difference of how we think about this. It's not us doing it and God sort of standing out there saying, all right, that's, that's decent. You know, I want to say that maybe that's good, but it's, it's, you're getting there or anything like that. It's, it's got, I mean, this is what Paul has been setting up in Ephesians chapter 1 where he's talking about being indwelt with the Holy Spirit and having God within us Working through us. It's not God watching and us doing it for God. It's God working through us to do good in the world. To carry out the things that he has created for us to do and be. God is in the business of bringing forth and bringing us into a new creation. And he's prepared that we join him in that. It is by grace that you're saved. It's by grace that you're saved. This grace comes through faith. Simple trust. Fine. Yes, I believe it. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. So that no one can boast about it. For we are God's handiwork, craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray. God, again, we begin just with gratitude for the truth of these words, that we, God, if if it were up to us, to earn your favor, it would be impossible. And so we, we hear these words and we, we believe them and we trust them that we are saved by your grace and your goodness alone because you are rich in mercy. And so first we just we say thank you. Remind us, Lord, that this is the reality that it is not of ourselves. It is not anything special about us, uh, help us to, to see and to know that that is true as we interact with our neighbors, as we interact with those who don't have faith. May we do so with humility, knowing that it's only because of your grace that we are who we are. And as you have created for us to, to join with you in the good that you are doing in the world, may we uh, step into that. May we... Uh, Embrace that role, finding those things that you have created us to do and and to live those and to walk in those daily. We pray this in your name. Amen.
want to remind you to, if you haven't already signed up, to pray for our, our community, pray for our church on, uh, I mean, obviously do this constantly, but specifically February 19th, sign up for a half hour block. Um, I'm sure there are some, you know, 3 a.m. slots waiting for, just waiting for your name. Um, but uh, I encourage you to, you know, find a time to do that. If the spot that really works for you is already taken, put your name next to it and you can pray too. I mean, you don't, it's not like we can only have one person doing it. Um, but I, it's my prayer for you. Um, first of all, if there's anybody here that has not put their faith in Jesus Christ, that you would do that this morning. You will not regret it. It you don't have to. You just have to say fine. You just say yes, um, and and trust that that God's grace is true. And so, first and foremost, uh, if that's you today, I I encourage you to, to do that. If you still have questions, uh, talk to me. Talk to Kevin, Pastor Jim, uh, the person sitting next to you. Uh, we'd love to. We'd love to help you understand more what that means. Um, May may you know the grace that God has given you. May you understand that it is not by works. And may you understand that you are special. That God is working in you as his work of art. Created to be makers of shalom. And may you this week bring shalom into your world.